Amen. God is good. We've been talking about grace and um, we established this or we began establishing the series um, last Sunday and we established the fact that grace is what separates Christianity from every other religion on planet earth. Grace is the separator. Say to your neighbor, grace is the separator. And therefore, if grace is what separates Christianity, then we must become experts at grace. Hallelujah. We must understand what grace is. We must explore it. We must experience it. We must express it. We must be exhibits of the grace of God because that's what Christianity is. It is the great separator. And we began by defining what grace is. Grace is God's willingness to make his power available to us to meet our need and to achieve his purpose. Grace is God's willingness to make his power available to us to meet our need and to achieve his purpose. And this power is made available freely. Everyone say freely. This power is made available without qualification. It is made available freely and without qualification. You know, religion is about what we are supposed to do to be accepted. That is what every religion on planet earth teaches us. How you are meant to act in order to be accepted. What you are meant to do so that when you finally die, you will be accepted by God. But grace or the grace in Christianity is not about what you are meant to do to be accepted. But what God has done to make us accepted. Hallelujah. It is God making his power available to us freely. It is about what God has done. Everyone say what God has done. What God has done to make us accepted. I believe there's a verse of scripture. There are a lot of verses of scripture that really talk about this. But there's one I love above all else that I believe really explains or expresses what grace is. In the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 3. The Bible says, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Hallelujah. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. It says, what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Hallelujah. God did what the law could not do. The law could tell us the standard of righteousness, but it could never empower us to achieve it. What the law could not do, there is nothing wrong with the law. The law is righteous. The law is perfect. But the only problem was we did not have the power or the ability to make, meet God's standard. So what the law could not do, God did. Hallelujah. Grace is about what God has done. So as a Christian, we need to recalibrate our hearts with this understanding. Grace is about what God has done. I'll put it another way. Grace is the past tense of the action of God on our behalf that yields present results. Grace is the past tense. You know, the Spirit of the Lord gave me that this morning. That grace is the past tense of the action of God on our behalf that yields present results. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, the Bible says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared. Everyone say, has prepared. Oh, say, has prepared. So whenever we are talking about grace, we must, by definition, be talking about the action of God in the past. Something he has done. Something he has prepared that has present results. Grace is about what God has done for us with his power. So living by grace is understanding what he has done and living by the power of what he has provided. 
if grace is always past tense, if grace is always the actions of his power in the past concerning God, concerning us, then living by grace is understanding what he has done and living by the power of what he has provided. And, and you know, we, we need to recalibrate our hearts in this regard because um, the world doesn't work this way and religion doesn't work this way. So even when you come into Christ, it is possible to be in Christ and yet trying to use religious means to relate to God. And if you are going to advance in Christ, or if you are going to take advantage of the power of the gospel, you must understand this. Because grace is always about the past tense of God's action that yields present results. So that means that in true Christianity, our focus is never on ourselves, but on him. Because grace is not about me, it is about him. It is not about my achievement, it is about what he has done. So that means that in true Christianity, our focus is never on ourselves, but on him. True Christianity is not me-centered, it is him-centered. You know, it's just like history is actually his story. Christianity is not me-centered, it is him-centered. Our gaze is always on what he did on the cross. And what he has obtained for us, seated at the right hand of God. And this is important. You know, Peter learned this. We see in Matthew 14, what Peter learned. He learned that whenever we look away from him, and we begin to look elsewhere, we begin to look at the waves, or we begin to look at ourselves, we start to sink. That, that is what he learned, wasn't it, when he was walking on water. But when our focus, when our gaze is him-centered and not we-centered, then we begin to walk on water, don't we? And God has created you to walk on water. He has created you to reign in this life. But in order to reign in this life, you must understand grace and your life must be powered by grace. So it's about him-centeredness. You know, I'm always conscious that as I speak, I speak to a lot of theologians in the room and a lot of Bible scholars. And I can preempt a question because you might say, well, doesn't the Bible say we should examine ourselves? And we should, a spiritual man judges himself so that himself is not judged by anyone. Yes, that's true. But when you examine yourself, you are meant to examine yourself in Christ. Hallelujah. You are meant to judge yourself in Christ. You are meant to appraise yourself in Christ. Hallelujah. I believe it was Mark Hankins that said that if you are not impressed with yourself, then it means that you have not seen yourself in Christ lately. Because when you appraise yourself in Christ, when you are Christ-centered, you recognize that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah. So grace is Christ-centeredness. It is all about what God has done for us. All about us understanding what he has done and living by the power of that. Because wherever grace is, there is the release of the power of God. And God has created you and I to live by his power. Amen. So let us look at Romans chapter 5 verse 17. Romans 5.17 is our text scripture for this series. Verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through one. You know, the implications of the fall of man affected all of humanity. Uh, one may wonder why, but, but we, we, we know that through one man's fall, everybody was affected. So the Bible is saying that we understand that one man can affect the whole of humanity. So just like Adam affected the whole of humanity, so Christ did. Hallelujah. You know that wherever you are born, you know, I don't know if the American government have changed the rules now, but it's amazing how many people want to go to the U.S. to have a baby. But I say to people, you know, 
People give birth in Nigeria all the time. Okay, the women are looking at me like, Pastor, don't go there. Especially those who haven't had babies yet, who have plans to go to the U.S. to have their babies. But I say, you know, people give birth in Nigeria all the time. But it's amazing that all people go abroad. They say, you know, it is because of the, you know, the, the medical, you know, supremacy, etc., etc. But it's really for the citizenship. Because wherever you are born is where you uh, become a citizen of. Is that not the case? So when we were born in Adam, after he fell, we became, um, as it were, citizens of the kingdom of darkness. We all know that. We, we, we've all borne the brunt of that. No one escaped that. But the Bible says, if by one man's offense, judgment came to all men, or death reigned through the one, much more, everyone say much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Meaning, as we bore the brunt of Adam's fall, we bear the privileges of Christ's resurrection. And it says that those who are in Christ, those who receive in Christ the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life or shall reign in, in life by one Jesus Christ. The Amplified says they will reign as kings in life through one Jesus Christ. That means that in Christ you are destined to reign. Now, I don't know what your experience of life is right now. But the word says that in Christ you are destined to reign. Just like in Adam all fell. Hallelujah. In Christ your destiny is to reign as a king in this life. As a king in this life. Through Jesus Christ. Because now your ancestry is traced to Christ. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If at some point in your life you have stepped up before God and said, God, I recognize that I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whoever believes into him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you have done that, you are in Christ. And the Bible says, as a result... You are destined to reign in this life. Hallelujah. You may not have two cover to rub next to each other, but you are destined to reign in this life. You are destined to reign as a king in this life. You know, in human existence, there are five aspects to your humanity. There's your spiritual life. There's your psychological life or your mind. There's your physical life. There's your social life. There's your financial life. Those are the, the five spheres in which you operate. In Christ, you are destined to reign in all those five aspects of life, in this life. Hallelujah. Now he says that the way you reign in those five aspects of life is through the operation of two things. When you walk in the abundance of God's grace that is available in Christ... And when you walk in the power of the gift of righteousness. It says those, everyone say those. Those who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in this life through one Jesus Christ. So understanding what God has done for you. Understanding the power that has been released on your behalf. And walking in that power is the ingredient for reigning. So I've called this series, Grace and Righteousness, the Scepter of the King. Grace and Righteousness. Grace and Righteousness. Grace and Righteousness. The Scepters of the King. That is how we reign in His kingdom. Grace and Righteousness. The Scepter of his kings. We reign through the abundance of grace. We reign through the gift of righteousness. 
So it begs the question, in your Christian walk, how have you been ruling? What have you been exercising? Have you been ruling through your understanding of what his power has provided? You know, in 1 John 5, 4, the Bible says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. If you're in Christ, you are an overcomer. It is not for the songs, it is for your life. You know, we can sing the songs and then we walk out of service and our life experience is different. No, he says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, I won't be talking about faith today, but all faith is, is a response to grace. Hallelujah. You can't have faith. Faith is not just faith in God or have faith in God. No. Faith is a response to grace. The power of God has provided certain things. And when we understand what he has provided and we begin to walk in that power, we will overcome. Hallelujah. In every aspect of life. Again, John, um, Romans 5.17 says, those who receive abundance of grace. You know, last week I mentioned that whenever we talk about grace, we must always talk about abundance. There is more than enough available for you. There is more than enough. John 1.16, which we also looked at last week, said, out of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. So nobody who is in Christ is exempt. He says, out of his fullness, we have all received. We have all received grace for grace. The Amplified says, we have all received and had a share of one grace after another, one spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon, upon gift. Grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing, favor upon favor. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Well, actually start from verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us. Now notice the tenses here. As I said, grace is the past tense of God's action concerning us. The past tense. You know, Hebrews 1 talks about the fact that when Christ rose from the dead, he is now seated at the right hand of God. I may ask the question, why is Christ seated? He's seated because he has done all he needs to do. He is seated because he has done all he needs to do. Grace is the past tense of God's action concerning us. There is nothing for him to do concerning us. That is why he's seated. He says, blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined or preplanned us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace in which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So he's saying that in Christ he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. There is no spiritual blessing that he hasn't blessed you with. He has chosen you. He has preplanned victory for you. Everyone say, Jesus has preplanned victory for me. Or say it again, Jesus has preplanned victory for me. The power of God for victory in every area of your life has been released. The power of God for victory in every area of your life, has been released. Now, we have difficulty with this. And, and I know we have difficulty because if we believed this, our prayers will be different. And that's why I keep using the word recalibration because we have been trained differently. We operate differently. Have you noticed that scholarships are only given to the best students? Have you noticed that? 
You know, you know somebody's coming up with an initiative to bless young people. Maybe they have a fund or something, and they want to they bless young people, and they go to a school. So when they get to the school, they would ask the principal, who are your top students? Those are the ones we want to empower. And I, I've always wondered about that. Yeah? Now, now you can understand why people do that, because, you know, uh, you have already demonstrated aptitude, so I don't want to waste my money. You have demonstrated discipline. You have demonstrated... Uh, uh, aptitude, so uh, I am helping you along. That's a reward, right? Have you noticed, you know, I was uh, reading this book uh, by um, Malcolm Gladwell. I, I believe it was, um, uh, is it What the Dog Saw or one of his books? His books are always great. And it was talking about how uh, he, he di they did some kind of study um, about hockey players. I think it was Canadian hockey players. And, um, and you know, and, and why the Canadian hockey team is, um, is, is so good or, you know. And basically, when he did the research, he discovered that um, what was happening was that, um, I think in Canada, they start school a bit later. So, their kids um, are, are a little bit more developed physically. And have you noticed that in any school program, if, for instance, your child, you know how um, schools have a cutoff date in terms of when they admit into a particular class, it's based on age. And there are some kids that are, that are the same age as others, but they, their birthday is later in the year, so they're actually a bit older. Now, when they get into any kind of sports program, those kids, because they're a little bit older and they're a bit stronger, end up being better at sports. Do, do you get that? And then what happens is the teacher comes around and looks for all the kids that are pretty good at sports, and they enroll them in a special program because they have skills, right? Now, that special program means that they have more practice than everyone, anyone else. So, they end up being even better. Are you with me? It's a little bit like, you know, Nigerian kids in our Nigerian schools um, travel abroad. And as soon as they go abroad, they become one of the top students. Because here, you know, we don't mess about when it comes to education, right? Even though we cram a lot. And because they're one of the top students, they get all the scholarships. And because they get the scholarships, they end up being exposed to more things than all the other students. And, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the way the system of the world works is simply this. To get favor, you must bring something to the table. That's the way we work. To, to get any kind of favor, you must bring something to, to the table. There is a reason why you are chosen. You are chosen because you have worked good in school. You have demonstrated that, you know, you have the flair. So you are going to be rewarded. Even Father Christmas rewards those who are nice. You know, the Christmas carol. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's been naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. So even the present you receive at the end of the year, we have learned that in order to get a good present, you better behave yourself during the year. Otherwise, mommy or daddy or Santa Claus or Father Christmas or your heavenly father will not give you good stuff. So our hearts have been trained that we are chosen based on a qualification that is linked to something we have done. So when you read the Bible and it says God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings or he has chosen you, he has destined you for greatness, you look at yourself, you look at how you've messed up, you look at where you were last night and you say, no, I, I hear you preacher, but you don't understand that does not include me. So as I'm preaching, I am conscious that we need to repeat this over and over and over again to give us a chance of recalibrating our hearts. You know, at the end of the day, your heart determines what you experience in life. Your heart determines what you experience in life. And when the word comes and we open our hearts to the word, it allows us to experience the word. Amen. You know, it is not God that determines what we experience in life. Even Jesus said this, 
about the parable of the soils. He said, I am a sower. I am going out to sow. The, the soils are the hearts of men. This word that I am given is able to change your life. But I'm throwing the word out there. And on some hearts, it is stony ground. Some, it is wayside hard ground. So the word bounces off. They've closed their hearts to me. And therefore, the power of my grace cannot work in their lives because they don't allow me in. God has blessed you. God has chosen you. Hallelujah. He has pre-planned for you a life of victory spiritually, mentally, socially, financially, physically, every aspect of your existence. He has already released his power to affect this in your life. You know, Oral Roberts said, miracles come toward us and go past us every day. They come toward us and go past us every day. The reason why they go past us is that we disqualify ourselves so we're not looking for grace. We disqualify ourselves because we do not understand grace. We don't understand what grace is. David Jeremiah put it this way in his book, Captured by Grace. He said, grace is always poured into empty hands. When you have nothing to bring to the table, then you are an ideal candidate for grace. Grace is always poured into empty hands because the foundation of grace is love. The love of the Father for his creation. The Bible says God so loved his creation that he gave. Hallelujah. The foundation of grace, the reason why God has chosen you, the reason why God has blessed you, the reason why he has pre-planned for you is because he loves you. Hallelujah. He places a high value on you. He has made you in his image and after his likeness. In fact, the greater the need in your life, the more of his power is extended in your direction. The more times you fall, the more his power is extended in your direction. The more times uh, bad things happen to you, the more of his power is extended in your direction because the purpose of the power of God is to raise you up to the place that he has prepared for you. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 20. Romans 5 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Wow. Where sin abounded, grace abounded what? Much more. That means that there is more power to restore you and establish you than you have power to circumvent the plan of God for your life. It says where sin abounded, grace much more, much more, much more, much more abounded. Much more abounded. Much more abounded. The Amplified Version says, but where sin increased and abounded, grace God's unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. Hallelujah. Grace has increased much more. There is enough grace for you. Hallelujah. There is enough grace for you. There's enough grace for your life. There's enough grace for your marriage. There's enough grace for your body. There's enough grace for your finances. There is enough grace for you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Grace is poured into empty hands. When you are without strength, when you are without strength, hallelujah. When you are without strength, Christ died. When you are without power, his power is made available. The election of grace. You know, when you look in the Bible and um, you look at the lives of people that God has used, uh, and you look at their lives, thank God for the Bible, because if a man wrote the Bible, they wouldn't write the Bible the way it is written. Because it really documents the reality of people's lives, yeah? Because, I mean, if I was to write my own autobiography, you know, I mean, it's going to be a bestseller. It's going to be a great read. I mean, the struggles I have on a day-to-day -day basis, you wouldn't know about it in my book. I'm going to be that God's man of paste and flower. I mean, faith and power, you know. But in the Bible... We, we look at the people that God has used 
And, and we recognize that his choice, the way he chooses people, everybody he has chosen had major issues. Yeah? And, and, and the people that succeeded were people that learned to lean on his grace as opposed to leaning on, on what they can do in themselves. Because believe you me, every time you look at yourself or appraise yourself by yourself, you will disqualify yourself from the power of God and you will always fall. You know, even the Apostle Paul, and I'll talk about Paul in a minute, but he says we do not, um, uh, you know, we, we, we do not qualify ourselves by ourselves. He says that our qualification is of God. He has made us able ministers of the new covenant. He has made me what I am. My qualification is not in myself. It is not in my ability. Everybody that God has used, everybody that has learned to walk in the power of God, have effectively learned how to walk by grace. That is what you and I must learn. To fly in this time. Because it is through walking in the abundance of grace and in the gift of righteousness that we reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Look at the apostle Peter. Oh, there's so many things I could say about Peter. Look at the life of the apostle Peter. I mean, if you look at um, Matthew 16. In fact, let's look at that. Uh, look at Matthew 16. Let's start from there. Because of time, we wouldn't go through all the verses about Peter. But basically, if God can use Peter, he can use you. If God chose Peter, he chose you. Hallelujah. So let us learn uh, by examining the lives of those who have gone before. In Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Verse 21, it says, from that time, Peter began to show to his disciples that he must go to, Jer or Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And Peter took him aside. You know, it is said that Peter was the oldest of the, of the apostles. It said, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. That is the Jesus he just revealed was the son of the living God. He began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that, you should, that this should happen to you. But he turned, that's Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So Peter was, was a baby in the Lord. He was a spiritual babe. Even though he was old physically, he was a spiritual babe. And he was carnal. He was moved by what he saw, what he felt. Uh, his, his carnal nature dominated every aspect of his spiritual life. He was subject to emotional outbursts. But God chose him. God did not cho choose Peter because he was spiritually mature. God chose Peter because he loved him. Hallelujah. God hasn't chosen you because of your strengths. He has chosen you because he loves you. He's in love with you. So God is going to be with you in your mess. And he's going to provide enough power to take you out of your mess and bring you to your place of high calling and destiny. You know, after Peter was rebuked, uh, before Jesus went to the cross, the Lord looked at Peter and, uh, and uh, predicted Peter's betrayal. He said, Peter, before the cock crows, um, you know, um, tomorrow twice, you would have betrayed me three times. Peter said, um, Far be it from me, Lord, to betray you. Of course I wouldn't betray you. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. But Peter, I've prayed for you. And when you're restored, establish your brethren. You know, there's nobody under the sound of my voice that Satan hasn't sought to sift as wheat. There's nobody that Satan has not tempted, that Satan hasn't seduced, that Satan hasn't enticed away from the high calling of God. In your enticement, God has made his power available to you. Hallelujah. The, the many times you have fallen have not disqualified you. 
The Bible says rejoice not over me my enemies. Because when I fall, I will arise. Even though I put my seat in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Hallelujah. Psalm 139 says that if you make your bed in hell, the Lord is there with you. Why? Because he loves you. He said, Peter, I am not here to condemn you. I have prayed for you. You are going to deny me. Peter said, no, I will not deny you. And of course, we know that before the cock crowed the next day, Peter had denied the Lord three times. And after that denial, when Jesus died, Peter, in John 21 verse 1, was the first one to say to the rest of the disciples, I am going back to my fishing business. He was the first one. He said, I'm going back fishing. And you know, because he was the eldest, the other disciples actually listened to him. So he denied the Lord, and he was the first one to go back and put and, and lay down the high calling of God on his apostles, and he went back to his fishing business. It was while he was at sea and they didn't catch anything that Jesus, now resurrected, was on the shore uh, roasting some fish. And Peter jumped out and went to Jesus, and Jesus fed them. And, and through the ministry of the Lord, he restored them. And then he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you. And he said, Peter, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. So the relationship with Peter, the engagement with Peter was an engagement of grace. Every time Peter fell, Jesus was there to empower him and to lift him up. The reason why Peter was chosen was not because he was strong. Not because he was spiritually mature, but because, he, because God loved him. The reason why God has chosen you is because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he has made his grace available to you. You need to open your heart to accept the grace of God. To accept the forgiveness of God. To accept that you're standing with him. Is not based on how good you are. Your standing with him is based on what he has done. And when you rest on what he has done, rather than what you have done, the power of God will lift you up to a place that it will affect your behavior. And you will start living a life that pleases him. Hallelujah. You know, when Peter, when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, Peter got up. And he preached the word. And 3,000 people got saved. Wow. Thank God he didn't, uh, the Lord didn't give up on Peter. But more importantly, thank God Peter did not give up on the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't give up on us, but we give up on him. We decide within our hearts that, you know, I have failed enough. I don't qualify anymore. We are the ones that close our hearts and turn our back toward him and walk away. We are the ones that decide that, you know, I'm not going to trust God anymore. I'm not going to trust God for my body. I'm not going to trust God for my mind. Clearly, I don't have enough faith. Clearly, I haven't done the right thing. Oh, I've fallen again. We are the ones that close our hearts to him. Thank God Peter did not close his heart to the Lord. Peter turned back to God and accepted his grace and leaned on that power and stepped up to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because the reason we are qualified is not because of what we have done, but what he has done. You know, even when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter kept messing up. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 11. Look at Galatians 2 11. Oh, somebody needs to hear me today. Somebody needs to hear me today. Every time you look at yourself, you will sink. Every time. Every time. The life of the Christian is looking at him. Hallelujah. Looking at what he has done. Whenever you look at what he has done, you will keep walking. Whenever you look at what he has provided and you accept what he says he has provided and you walk in that light, whether it's righteousness, whether it's wisdom, whether it's provision, as you see what he has done and you fill your heart with that and you recalibrate your heart with that, as that becomes your measure of truth and you begin to walk by that, you will be walking on water. You will rise on the wings of the wind because that is the scepter with which you reign. You reign walking in abundant grace, which is walking in abundant understanding of what he has provided. Like I said last week, whenever you have a challenge, whatever the challenge is, 
the first question you need to ask yourself is, oh, not how God should help me, but go and ask yourself, what has grace provided? What has his power provided? Go and search it out. Because when you embrace what his power has provided, when you see what his power has provided, and you begin to walk by faith in that, you will begin to walk on water. Hallelujah. Look at Galatians 2.11. Now Peter here, as an apostle of God, Paul is writing to the Galatians in Galatians 2.11. He says, now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For because certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So Saul, or Paul, um, had to rebuke Peter because Peter was afraid. The gospel of Christ is a gospel for all creation. And Peter knew this. But when the Jews came, the Jews who believed that the gospel was just for them, when um, the Jews came, Peter withdrew from the Gentiles and Paul had to rebuke him. So even though he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he still made mistakes. Hallelujah. He still fell. But that did not disqualify him. He repented and God raised him up. Where sin abounds, there is more grace to establish you. Hallelujah. At the end of Peter's life, he fulfilled his high call because he walked in the grace of God. You know, the Bible says that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. When Peter was writing about Paul in 2 Peter 3.14, Peter in his letter was writing about Paul. Paul who had rebuked him years before. Peter was talking about Paul. And he said, Paul is our esteemed brother. The revelation of Paul, the revelation that God has given Paul is difficult to understand sometimes. Hallelujah. He had a heart of humility. He had a heart of grace. When your heart is established by grace, there will be no competition in your heart. Hallelujah. Because God is no respecter of persons. What God will do for somebody else, he will do for you. You have no reason to be competitive. You have no reason to push anybody down. You have no reason to make your way in life. You can rest in the grace of God and put your faith in the power of God because the power of God is more than enough to establish you in this life. Oh, come on, look at 1 Corinthians 15 as I bring this to a close this morning. We're talking about the logical mathematics of grace. The logical mathematics of grace. It's illogical to us, but it is logical to God. Because you are the object of his love. So his power is extended in your direction. His power has been extended in your direction to establish you. Hallelujah. And in this life you are destined to reign. But you reign by resting on grace. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. The apostle Paul is speaking here. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I have labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and you believe. Hallelujah. You know, Paul, previously called Saul, was one of the greatest persecutors of the church. The first matter, the first person that was killed for the sake of the gospel, Stephen, was stoned at the behest of Paul. All those that were stoning Stephen put their, um, their, their cloaks at the feet of Paul. He was the orchestrator. He was the one making sure that they stoned Stephen right. Hallelujah. And Stephen died for the gospel. Paul killed him. And then he was going to Damascus to kill more Christians. And Jesus met him on the way and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, who, is, who are you that I'm persecuting? And he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And he got gloriously saved. And the Lord began to use Paul. You would have thought that he would relegate Paul to the background because Paul had been so wicked. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth after all. But the grace of God was extended to Paul. 
Paul recognized that in his own mentality, he had gone crosswise to God. So he did not trust himself anymore. All he trusted was the grace of God. God, I am the least of the apostles. I am the least to be used. But because he maintained that attitude of humility, he could receive the grace of God. Hallelujah. He said, I am the least of the apostles, given that I killed and persecuted the apostles. But he says, but the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. So I accept what God says about me. I don't care if you think I'm a good preacher. I don't care if you think I'm worth it. I don't care if you think I shouldn't be qualified for this position. I didn't qualify myself. He has extended his power in my direction. Yes, I may have been married too many times. I may not be married even though I'm in my 50s. I may be poor. I may be, I may be considered the least in my family. But God has called me blessed. So I accept what he says about me. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I will, do, I will do what he tells me to do. I will go where he tells me to go. I will call myself who he calls me. I will keep walking. If he says, I supply your needs according to my riches, that is what I believe and that's what I will walk in. I don't care if you call me a fool. I am what I am by the grace of God. And because Paul rested on the grace of God, the Lord established him. You know, when Paul was writing his letters, he didn't know that his letters would be the foundation of the New Testament. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Inspiration came upon him and he wrote those letters. You know, when Paul was at the end of his life, most people deserted him. It looked like he was a failure. Hallelujah. But through the grace of God that he appropriated into his life, God has, has uh, used the writings of Paul to establish us concerning the new creation. The grace of God will establish you. I said the grace of God will establish you. God has blessed you. You need to believe that. We need to recalibrate our hearts with that. God has blessed us. This is what you must say to yourself every morning. You must meditate this every morning. Because as you meditate this, it forces your heart open. It forces your heart open. It forces your heart open. Hallelujah. The Bible says that at the scent of water, your heart will bud. Those dried roots will come alive again. But they will come alive again at the scent of water. The scent of water is you meditating on the truth concerning what the grace of God has provided. And that grace through the word will enter your heart and it will begin to give birth again. Hallelujah. It will begin to bring hope again. It will begin to give, bring nourishment again. You will start seeing what you don't see right now. Right now you may see lack. You may see sickness. You may see impossibility. But as you allow grace to come into your heart, it will cause your heart to bring forth and birth. And you will start seeing possibility. You will start seeing the things that your father has prepared for you. You still think God cannot choose you. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and he was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and he was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples all fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was promiscuous. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. But God chose them all to be marvelous epistles of his power and his grace. God has chosen you to be a marvelous epistle of his power and his grace. Our memory verse for this week is 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 21, and I close with this. It says, therefore, let no one boast in men. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas, or the world, or life or death, or things present, 
or things to come. All are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ's is God's. The Message Bible translation puts it this way. It says, I don't want to hear any of you bragging about yourself or anyone else. Everything is already yours as a gift. Paul, Apollos, Peter, the world, life, death, the present and the future. All of it is yours. And you are privileged to be in union with Christ. Who is in union with God? Everything God does is for us. Do you know that God has done nothing for himself? He did not create the universe for himself. Because he is the self-existent God. He does not need anything outside himself to satisfy him. Everything he has created, he has created for humanity. Life, death, things present, things to come. All things are yours as a gift. He has lavished his grace upon us because we are objects of his love. And therefore we must establish ourselves in his grace. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer this morning. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful because we are objects of your love. We are objects of your grace. We receive your power, O oh God. We see ourselves eligible based on your election for glory, for grace, for provision, for forgiveness. Because you love us. Hallelujah. Thank you because we are, we are eligible. We're eligible for, you, for the best because you love us. I don't know if there's anybody under the sound of my voice this morning. You don't know the Lord. You've been running away from him thinking he's angry with you. The Lord is not angry with you. The Bible says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. And he wants you to respond to his grace. His power is here to save you. To deliver you from sin. To deliver you from the power of bad habits. To deliver you from every deception of darkness. And to establish you. You are here this morning. You say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord. I want to pray for you this morning. The power of God is available. To translate you from the power of darkness. Into the kingdom of his son. Say, Heavenly Father. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Today, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I turn my back to sin. I turn my back to the devil. I turn my back to the system of the world. I face Christ today. Jesus, I call upon your name this morning. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Give me the power to live. Like a son of God, I commit my life to you, O oh God. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, come and let us bless the Lord this morning. Mm -hmm. Let's bless the Lord this morning. God loves us. He loves his people. Hallelujah.